Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. You see, how are we? It has been a while since I've been up here. In fact, last time it was last Mother's Day, and um, it was an empty room. So I'm pretty stoked that you guys are here today. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun. In fact, when Brian asked me to preach this message, um, he'd given me the title and I had gotten so excited about it that I wrote the message in like 30 minutes. And I texted him and I was like, babe, I wrote the message and I gave the title of it. And I was like, it's, it's pretty darn good. I said another word, but I'm on stage. So I'm gonna try to be very careful not to swear. Um, and so I was like, it's amazing. And um, a few minutes later, we were at church, but in different parts of the church, he came and found me. And he's like, so your message is good, huh? And I was like, yeah, it's awesome. And he was like, just look at the text you sent me. And so I pulled out my phone and I looked at it and it said, um, hey, babe, I just finished my message on incest and invite and it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> and so obviously I had to screenshot it and put it on my social media. And so what's so funny is my mom called me about a week ago and um, she was like, so um, what are you speaking on? And she used the word speaking because her and my dad are very, very supportive. Like it's so sweet. My dad buys me new outfits every time I preach, but they can't, they haven't quite jumped the hurdle of women preachers yet or women, women pastors. So if you're in here and you're not sure about this, you're gonna be all right. You won't disintegrate, I promise. We'll say to you, I'm just speaking this morning, but to the rest of y'all, I'm gonna bring it, okay? But she called me and she goes, she goes, now what are you speaking on? I was like, um, oh, investing and inviting. And I heard her sigh and like get relieved. And I'm like, mom, what? And she's like, I just wasn't sure about incest and invite. And I'm like... <laughs> Is that not a mom thing? Like, I'll never forget my brother, um, his roommate in college. It was when um, Apologize by One Republic was really big. I'm not gonna sing it to you, but you know, like, it's too late to apologize, that song. Love One Republic. And um, so that was out, and his roommate had his mom listen to it, and she came back to him and was like, Shane, I just... I don't get this song. It's never too late to apologize. You can always apologize. And Shane's like, it's just a song. So I love moms. They uh, take everything too literally. I'm in that same boat. But I am so excited to talk about investing and inviting. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, building relationships with people and then inviting them to just come and see. I'm gonna use those three words a lot this morning. Come and see, come and see, come and see. And for some of us, this is so easy. I'm an extrovert by nature. I married an introvert. So like now I'm becoming more introverted and he's becoming more extroverted. It's weird. Did that happen to any of you? Like I wanna stay in more and he wants to go out more now and it's just kind of odd. But for me, I'm an extrovert, so this is easy. So when we first moved into our first house when we got married, we lived in a small um, townhome community. And for whatever reason, during those years, I was really big into mini muffins. I have no idea why. I've never made mini muffins since then, but really big into the mini muffins. And so I thought, what a great idea. I'll bake mini muffins, put them in these cute little brown bags, <laughs> attach an invite and leave it at people's doors. I don't know anyone. They, they love mini muffins. And so I did this 
And um, I don't know if you know the Stinsons. I don't know if they're um, at the nine this morning, but um, Scott and Melissa Stinson, they were some neighbors of ours. And I dropped um, these muffins off at their house. I think I had met them maybe once. And um, she told me this story later uh, after we had gotten to know each other a lot better. She was like, I was scared to death of those muffins. I didn't know what was in them. I didn't know if you had laced them. And so Scott came home from work, but she didn't throw them away. I was like, why didn't you just throw them away? Scott came home from work and went to eat one of the muffins. And she was like, don't eat that. It's laced, you know? And I was like, dude, it wasn't laced. I mean, it could have been, but it wasn't. And so I would, I'm just crazy about investing and inviting. We have new neighbors now. We moved. We have new neighbors. And um, my neighbor, Martha, um, is taking tennis lessons. And so she came up to me one day and she was like, do you know how to play tennis? And I completely lied in the name of Jesus. I said, absolutely, I'd be happy to play with you. I know nothing about tennis. It confuses the crap out of me, and I'm terrible at it. It kind of scares me how fast the ball comes back and forth, but I went with her. And so Brian's trying to give me a quick tutorial as I'm walking up the door. After about 30 minutes of tennis, Martha's like, hey, why don't you come see my trainer with me, and he can give you some lessons. I was like, message received. We've never played tennis since. So for some of us, it's really easy. For others of us, it's really difficult, right? Um, And I I can think of three reasons as to why for some of us it's really difficult to build relationships and to invite people to just come and see. I'm not saying sit them down and go through the whole gospel. I'm not even saying like force them to become partners of Centerpoint Church or serve. I'm just saying build relationships and invite them to come and see. For some of us, that's so difficult. And there's three reasons why. The first is some bad experiences. Some of you have had some really bad experiences when you've gone to invite someone to come and see. Um, I grew up in a very legalistic, fundamental background, and so we did these things called door-to-door evangelism. Does anyone remember that? It depends on what kind of crowd we got this morning. All right, some of you. So for those of you who aren't familiar with it, I'm so happy for you. But you'd basically get dropped off in a random neighborhood, and you'd go door-to-door just cold calling on people, like knocking on their doors. Hi, can I please tell you about Jesus Christ? Every once in a while, you'd exercise a demon out of someone, and I'm being honest. It was some crazy situations. And so I just absolutely... Absolutely um, had some terrible experiences um, with encouraging someone to come and see. Some of us have fear. We're afraid of what it's gonna do to our reputation. We're afraid of what it's gonna do to our image. We're afraid of what it could do to um, our relationships. Um, We have fear because we don't know Jesus that well ourselves, and we're not even sure we've got everything under control ourselves. And so what if they ask a question or wanna know something that we don't know how to answer, and so fear. And then I think the number one reason why a lot of us don't invest and invite or we don't build relationships and invite people to come and see is because of shame. Shame from your past. I think for a lot of us, there's shame about how we're living right now in our present. Um, I think we get into our heads and we think to ourselves like, I don't have the right to invite someone to come and see and to come and meet Jesus when I don't even know him that well. Um, I don't have the right to do it because I'm not good at it. And so shame, shame keeps us from building relationships and inviting people to come and see. And if you're new here and you're not a Jesus follower, I'm so glad that you are here. This is the church for you, I'm gonna tell you. And I bet right now you're thinking to your mind, okay, here, here, here it is. Like, this is what I expect from churches. They're gonna tell how to go out and get all these people and bring them in and then how to fix us. And I wanna tell you, it is not at all what you think. This church is so different than that. We're all a mess, including me on the stage. My husband told you to do a lot of work with mental illness. That's because I have several myself. We're all broken. And we don't want you to come and change. We just want you to come and see. 
We're not expecting you to walk through those doors and to change everything about your lives and to be some different person. No, we just want you to come and see the Jesus who has done an incredible work in our lives and who has loved us at our absolute worst. We don't believe people are projects. People are people to be loved. And that's what we're talking about this morning. And so one of my most favorite passages is in John 4. This is one of my favorite stories on investing and inviting or having people come and see. And I'm gonna do a lot of reading from the scriptures this morning, so you're gonna have to kind of hang out with me. Um, And I'm gonna read out of the message translation. The message translation basically is just a paraphrase of scriptures, but it puts the scriptures in everyday language, everyday use. Um, And I love the way the message portrays this story. So I'm gonna do a lot of reading for you, but I wanna give you a little bit of background. So Jesus right now, he's headed to Galilee with his disciples because Um, he's been around Jerusalem and the Pharisees or the religious people have just been causing a lot of drama for him, right? And not much has changed. Almost all the drama we face are from religious people. Can I get an amen? And so Jesus is like hightailing it out there. Um, He's worn out physically, mentally, emotionally. And this is where we're gonna pop into the story in John 4 verses four through six. It says, he came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was worn out by the trip. He sat down at the well. It was noon. So just a couple of things to keep in mind. Jesus is exhausted. Um, This is a a deserty area, okay? It's noon, which means this is the hottest part of the day, all right? And living in Florida, we can understand that, right? I mean, it has been brutal over the past couple weeks, and it's only going to get worse for us. Thank you, Lord. So he is exhausted. He's sitting down at this well. It's the hottest part of the day. Verses 7 through 8. A woman... A Samaritan, this is huge, I'm gonna talk about this in just a second, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, because this was socially and racially unacceptable for Jesus. She said, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. So this is a double whammy for Jesus because Samaritans were considered half-breeds, okay, back in the scriptures. And it sounds offensive for me to even say, but I'm not sure how else to get through to you how racially radical this was for Jesus. And then women were considered property. So the fact that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman, yes, she would be taken aback. Um, This is very surprising to her. But here's the thing. Jesus completely ignored social norms because he knew his message was for everyone And that's why at Centerpoint Church, we like to be known as a Jesus church. We don't care about denominations. We care about aligning ourselves with Jesus Christ because he went after anyone and everyone with the gospel, and that's what we're doing. And it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And so I wanna thank those of you who have gone at any cost to reach out to anyone and everyone because Jesus never discriminated against anyone. So let's keep reading. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God, in other words, the generosity of the gospel, that it's for anyone and everyone, and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? Are you better than our ancestor Jacob, who dug the well and drank from it, and he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? All right, so homegirl's a little bit sarcastic, okay? And you're gonna find out why in a second. Some of you already know this story, and so you already know why she's sarcastic. But she's very sarcastic, she's very defensive. And so Jesus comes back, he says, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. 
Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. Then the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't ever get thirsty and I won't have to come back and draw from this well again. Again, homegirl snippy, she's sarcastic. So Jesus comes right back at her. He says, go call your husband and then come back. Now I want to make a point here because you're gonna start to think that Jesus is being vindictive and being harsh, but he's not. He's seeing through her defenses. He's seeing through her sarcasm. He's seeing that her shame has built walls around her heart, and he wants to get to her heart. He wants to get her attention. And so that's why he says, go call your husband and then come back here. And all she says is, I have no husband. He hit her where it hurts. And then Jesus comes back and he says, well, that's nicely put. And I, again, I don't think he's being sarcastic. I think he's letting her know that he knows so she can drop her defenses. He says, that's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. This would be radical even today, but you have to understand back then, this is wild. And this is why she's coming at noon in the middle of the day, at the hottest part of the day, because nobody else is gonna be there. She's so ashamed of her lifestyle and she's experienced all the connotations, the name calling, um, she has experienced it all. And so Jesus is making a point that, yes, you've had to have those walls up with everybody else, but you do not need to have those walls up with me. He's proving that he doesn't care about what she's done and I want you to hear me on this. He doesn't care about what you've done. He cares about who she is. And he cares about who you are. So then she shoots back, oh, so you're a prophet. Can you imagine Can you imagine her trying to hide from everybody else? Then there's this random man out here telling her everything she's ever done. Oh, you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at the mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, Right? So she's not convinced. She's not convinced of God's acceptance. She's not convinced of his love. She knows everybody knows, and she knows how everybody else has treated her. And so she's just not convinced that he loves her for who she has, is. And he's not, she's not convinced that he's gonna love her just for her and not make her change. And so Jesus says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father, neither here at this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The time is coming and it has come, and I love this, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. And I wanna tell those of you here today that need to know this, what you're called and what you've done and who you are in this moment, none of that matters. Not a blasted thing. Jesus cares about you. Jesus cares about who you are and who he's created you to be. And so then he says, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their true selves and adoration. See, you will adore someone who accepts you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, You will adore and love someone who says, I love you and all of you, every bit of you. Jesus knows that what keeps us from embracing him and inviting others to come and see is our shame. 
You see, shame distracts us. It distracts us from the real issues that are going on in our lives. Some of you have addictions. Some of you have um, different mental illness. Some of you are angry. Some of you have bounced from relationship to relationship to relationship. Some of you have had suicidal thoughts. Some of you have been through financial ruin. Some of you battle with your integrity. And you think that those are the issues, but those are just the symptoms. But see, what shame does is it highlights those symptoms to make you feel like you have to run and hide and can never get help. And so it distracts us. It lies to us. And it says we'll never change. It says that our past is our present will become our future. It enslaves us. It enslaves us to whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're fighting against, whatever we're in the midst of, whatever's been done to us. Some of you have had some terrible things done to you and shame has enslaved you to thinking that's gonna be your entire life and you can never break free of those things. And shame causes fear, makes us believe that we're gonna be rejected, makes us believe that we're gonna be abandoned. And so the woman said, I don't know about that, but I do know that the Messiah is coming and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. This is so powerful. Jesus locks eyes with her and he says to her, I am he. In other words, he's telling her, listen, I am confirming to you, it does not matter that you've had five husbands. It does not matter that the man you're living with right now is not your husband. It doesn't matter that you've had that addiction. It doesn't matter that you've contemplated or attempted suicide. It doesn't matter that you've left relationship after relationship. It doesn't matter that you have gone through all of this shame. It does not matter because I am he and I care about you. He says, you don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking to that kind of woman. No one said what they were thinking, but all their faces showed it. And I wanna stop here just for a quick second because this is something that we tell people all the time. Hey, doesn't matter where you are or what you've been or what you've done, you come in here and you will be loved and accepted. And I wanna thank you guys that when people walk through those doors, you don't show on your faces that you're shocked. You don't show on your faces that you're dismayed. You don't show that. You welcome people in with open arms. And I wanna thank you for that because we are becoming known as the church that is accepting and welcoming for everyone. And that is such an incredible thing. And so their faces showed it. And the woman took the hint and left. But in her confusion, and I love this, she left her water pot. (laughs) She left what she was coming there to get. Do you know why? Because Jesus met her at her greatest need. She didn't need it anymore. She, I, I think it's really symbolic, and I'm reading into the text a little bit, but she left her water pot. She left her reputation. She left her shame. She left all that stuff that she was carrying with her. She left everything that she was trying to avoid because if you look in the scriptures, what does she do? She runs right back into the town. You remember, she's out here at noon to try to avoid everybody. Now she leaves her water pot. She's running right back into the center of town, and what has she said? She told the people, come and see Come see a man who knew all about everything I've ever done, who knows me inside and out. Here's what she's saying to these people. Come see the man who knows everything I've ever done and hasn't treated me like the rest of you have treated me. 
He's accepted me and he's embraced me. It's a Jewish man who has laid aside all of his racial and social ridiculousness. He has accepted me for who I am. Come and see, because I don't care what you guys think about me anymore. I've been accepted and loved by the God of the universe. Do you know what the opposite of shame is? It's acceptance. It's feeling fully and completely accepted and loved. That's the opposite of shame. And that's what this woman has experienced with her encounter of Jesus. But I love that she doesn't come out and she doesn't go through everything and break everything down. Obviously, homegirl knows her religion, right? She took Jesus to town. I love it. She, she went toe-to-toe with Jesus about all of this religiosity. But when she runs into the town, she's not spouting all that back to them. No, what is she saying? Come and see. Just come see for yourselves. Come see and meet this man. Because you know this town has as much shame as she does, right? We walk around all hoity-toity, but we all have shame. We all have things that we're trying to hide. We all have things that we wish we could change about our lives. This isn't the only woman, and this isn't the only woman in the town that's ashamed. And so now all of a sudden these people are like, wait a minute, he knows what you've done? (laughs) They're starting to feel a little bit better about, wait, he knows what you've done? Okay, well then it can't be as bad if I go out and see him. And so now what happens? They all go out to see for themselves. (laughs) And they all go out there and they all go out and meet Jesus. And I love this. I wrote this down. I said, Jesus doesn't care about your past, your present, or your future. He cares about you. And when you get that down and when you understand that Jesus loves every bit about you, not the you that's going to change, not the you that's going to be different, the you right now, you're going to start running around telling everybody, you need to come and see this because I know me. I know how bad and messed up I am. I know how broken I am. I know how much it would take for someone to love me unconditionally and to accept me with all of my stuff. You need to come and see this. And that's what Jesus does for us. He isn't ashamed of you. He wants to show you off. You and all of your brokenness, you and all of your messed up, whatever it is, he wants to show you off because he wants to say to other people, I love this person, so no matter what is keeping you from me, leave it at the door, come in here and get to know me. I love every bit about you. He wants to show you off. He wants to show off your story. But you're, you're sitting there pushing back because you're like, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I'm in the middle of right now. You don't know what I'm contemplating, what I'm thinking about, what I'm obsessing over. You don't know me. I don't know you. (laughs) But I know my Jesus, and I know what he's after, and I know he's after you, and I know he went to great lengths to get you, sacrificed his life on the cross for you, and he's not gonna put up any barriers in your way. He is running hard and fast after you. The question is, are you running hard and fast after him? That's the question. I use this line with my podcast all the time that our scars become our stories that Jesus wants to use for his glory. I'll never forget um, meeting someone who had been a cutter. And um, I shared my story several years ago. It's called Shattered. You can find it um, on our website. But I had shared my story. It's called Shattered. And, and a young lady walked up to me and had shown me all of her scars of all the different times that she had tried to commit suicide by cutting. And she just laid her arms out like this. And, and I asked her, I said, do you, can I touch them? Can I touch your scars? And she said, absolutely. And so I touched them and I said, I want you to know that when you're ready, this is gonna become a powerful story that Jesus is gonna use. And you don't need to hide these. You don't need to be ashamed of these. You need to allow Jesus to redeem these and to use these. 
So what I wanna say to you today is, I know every single one of you in here has been wounded at some point. I know every single one of you have walked through something that you think you're too far gone or you're too broken or you're too messed up. And here's what I wanna say to you. God wants to use your scars. He wants you to tell your story. He doesn't want you to live in shame anymore. He's so proud of you. He's, he's so in love with you. He accepts every part of you. And he wants to use you to say to the world, look, this person is my child. He, they have been made in my image. I love and accept them. And what I've done for them, I wanna do for you. And that is love you not change you, I wanna love you and I wanna accept you. And it's that love and acceptance then that leads us to make different choices down the road. But we say all the time, God changes a heart long before he changes behavior. And so we need to invite people, come and see. Come and see the God who loves us and accepts us no matter what. I love the verses in 2 Corinthians 4. It says, since God is so generously, there's that word again, generously. We read that in John 4, do you remember? His gospel, his love, his acceptance, it's generous. He has so generously let us in on what he's doing. We're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. Now, some of you have refused to wear masks, and that's okay. We love you. But this isn't talking about COVID or corona, okay? Let's just stop for a second. You're like, I knew it. They're going to talk to you. No, this is talking about acting like we've got it all together, right? This is walking around acting like we don't need Jesus, basically. Like we needed Jesus to keep us out of hell, but we've got the rest of our lives under control. That's what that means. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves or pretend like we're better than we are so we look good. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. The whole truth on display. And I love this. Why do we do that? So that those who want to see and judge for themselves in the presence of God can. In other words, the people that you're gonna invite to come and see over the next couple of weeks, and, and next week is Easter, okay? You know the Creasters, the people that will come at Christmas and Easter. We love them. If you're a Creaster and you started a week early, good for you, okay? But people who don't go to church anywhere will come to church somewhere on Christmas and Easter, all right? So this is the greatest time to invest and invite, building those relationships and saying, come and see. But the people that you're gonna say, hey, I want you to come and see my Jesus, here's what they're gonna wanna know. They're gonna wanna know is everything that you say about him and everything that he says about himself, is that true? We talk a lot about God and a lot about Jesus and a lot about what he's done for us and can do for us. We do a really bad job of living it out and loving people well, right? And so the people that you're gonna say, hey, come and see, come and see, they wanna know, does what you say about your Jesus, is it true? Does he go after lost things? We sing about that. Does he go after lost things? Does he care about my mess? Is he gonna try to fix me? Is he gonna think I'm too far gone? Is he even gonna let me in the building? I'll never forget one Christmas years ago, we had a man come in and he was literally standing back in the corner and I went up to meet him and he said, I haven't stepped foot in a church in 40 years and I was afraid the walls were gonna come down on me. We laugh at that, but do you understand what he had been carrying? <laughs> He didn't even wanna sit down. He was terrified. And people wanna know what we say about Jesus true. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. Your words don't matter. Because you can talk to your blue in the face. Here's what matters. Are you living it? Have you shared your story? 
Have you told them about Jesus and how he loved and accepted you at your worst? That's what they wanna hear. They don't wanna hear the verses, so just relax. They don't wanna hear the story, so just relax. They don't need an apologetical thesis of is scripture right and did God create the world and is seven day creation and oh yeah, yeah. They don't care about that. Here's what they wanna know. Does your Jesus love me in the middle of what I'm in the middle of? And the only way they're gonna know that for sure is if you share your story and you tell them about how your Jesus loves you in the middle of whatever you're in the middle of. Answer your questions with your life. Just come and see, guys. Come and see. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ the master. We're his messengers. We're errand runners. We carry this precious, precious, <laughs> precious, there it is, precious message <laughs> in unendured Pots of clay or jars of clay. They're fragile, they're easily broken. We're fragile, we're easily broken. God knows that. It's of our ordinary lives, and I'm gonna skip. So bless Amanda's heart, who's back there on Pro Presenter. We are surrounded and battered by troubles. We're not sure what to do. We're spiritually terrorized. We're thrown down. We've experienced trial and torture, mockery and murder. But what Jesus did among them, he does in us. You know what he does? He lives. <laughs> he lives. And some of you, you've been surrounded and battered by troubles. You've walked through illness, you've walked through divorce, you've walked through addiction, you've walked through an affair, you've walked through mental illness. You have been surrounded and battered by troubles. Some of you have not been sure what to do, especially this past year. You don't know what to do about your jobs, your finances, your relational difficulties. You don't know what to do about that kid who's running hard and fast away from Jesus. You don't know what to do. You're unsure. Some of you <clears throat> have been spiritually terrorized. And I wanna stop here for a second because in many ways, that's how I grew up, spiritually terrorized. I was introduced to a Jesus who wasn't the Jesus of the Bible. I was introduced to a Jesus who said, you need to do X, Y, and Z to be accepted. And you know what? I became a perfectionist. I never did any of the bad stuff that you are afraid Jesus won't accept you for. I was the perfect person. I have three babies named after me. I kid you not. That's how wonderful I was as a teenager and college student. But then I got married, became a pastor's wife, and the crap hit the fan for me because I couldn't keep it up anymore. And we went through an emotional, mental breakdown for about a year and a half where I didn't know if I believed in Jesus anymore. I didn't know if I was ever gonna be the same because I had been spiritually terrorized growing up and no one meant to do it. It just happened because that's what we do in religious communities, don't we? We don't wanna deal with the mess. So we make all these rules and we beat people over the head with them. And some of you are in here and you're just so tired. You're so tired of the religious games. You're so tired of a church that beats you up one side and down the other. I think you're just like this woman at the well. She was so tired. You know why she jumped from man to man to man? Because she was looking for someone to love her and accept her for who she was and she couldn't find it. And I want you to know you are in a safe place at Center Point Church because we want to love the heck out of you. Literally. <laughs> we want to love and accept you and make you feel so safe and welcome so that you can come and see our Jesus. Some of you have been tortured. You've been mocked. In other words, you've been abused. You've been humiliated. Some of you are giving Jesus and church one last shot by even being here. And I want you to know he loves you and he accepts you for who you are in this moment, not for who you're gonna be down the road. Jesus lives in us and shines his light of grace through us. I love this Ernest Hemingway quote. It says this, have you heard this before? We're all broken, 
and that's how the light gets through. These jars of clay that we're living in, they have cracks, they're broken. But when we invite Jesus into the midst of it, what does he do? He shines his light through it, right? And people take notice. They're like, wait a minute, that thing's broken, but it's shining so bright. What is that? And what do we say? Just come and see. Just come and see. I don't have an explanation for it either. I just know there's someone who loves me. Come and see. Come and see him. And so what do we do, guys? Here's what you've got to do. You've got to own your brokenness in this moment. Whatever's broken in your life, you have to own it. God already knows it. Most of the people around you already know it. You've got to own it. And then you've got to share it. Don't hide behind it. And I'm not saying go around and stand on the rooftops and shout to everybody and tell your story and all the gory details. And No, I'm not saying about that. But I'm saying to those who are closest to you, to those you're in relationship and community with, share your story. People are waiting for those of us to be confident enough in God's love and acceptance to share our stories and say, come and see. You're not too far gone. You're not too broken. Come and see this Jesus who loves me despite of everything I've done and in spite of who I am. And then you've gotta let it go. You've gotta let Jesus do his work. We're not called to fix anyone. We're called to say, come and see. And then we are called to let Jesus do the rest. I wanna talk to those of you who aren't Jesus followers because I know this message has probably hit a nerve with some of you and here's what I wanna tell you. Jesus loves you in this moment. And if you've never embraced Jesus Christ as your personal savior, I wanna talk to you just for a second and tell you how easy it is to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. He did everything, he did all the work. He came to earth, he lived a perfect life, the life that you couldn't live. He died on the cross for everything you've ever done, will do, or haven't done yet. And he rose again three days later. This is what we're celebrating next week. He rose again three days later to prove to you he has the power to forgive everything you've ever done and to prove to you that he can make dead things come back to life again. And so whatever you think is dead in your life, he wants to resurrect that. I don't wanna steal Brian's message from next week. He's on the front row and I can feel him staring into me. But here's what I wanna tell you. Those things that you're so ashamed of, he wants to take your problems and give them purpose. That's a line Brian gave me as we were going over our message because he's like a walking TED talk. He wants to take your problems and give them purpose. He wants to give your life purpose. And so would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, this is as easy as it is. You just have to call out to him. You just have to say, Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner. That's not hard for any of us to accept. We've all done bad things. I'm talking like I talk to my kids because we talk about the gospel all the time to them, but God says faith like a child, right? So we've all done wrong things. We've all sinned. Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose again three days later, and that you wanna make the dead things come back to life again in me. So would you be my savior? It's literally that simple. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins and would you be my savior? And with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm old fashioned this way. You can text 94,000 and let them know you've made a decision. I like to know for myself. And so if you've made that decision to accept Christ as your personal savior, would you just lift your hand ever so slightly? I'm not gonna call you out. I just wanna celebrate with you in my own little heart and be excited about what Jesus is doing. And then for the rest of you who are Jesus followers, who are like, man, <laughs> I have been hiding behind 
my shame. I've been hiding behind my fear. I've been hiding behind all the things that I've done that I feel like Jesus can't accept me for. Would you let that go and let him in? He knows you're broken. He doesn't expect you to fix yourself. All he wants to do is come in and let the light out. That's all he wants to do. And then he wants to use you to show off, to say to people, come and see what my Jesus does despite who I am. And so if you know that there's someone that you need to stop pretending around, if you know that there's someone that you just need to go and say, I wanna say, come and see, would you raise your hand? I'm the only one looking. I wanna pray for you specifically today. Thank you, thank you. If you're like, there's someone in my heart that I just know I need to say, come and see, I'm gonna do that. Jesus, we love you so much. We're so thankful that you love and accept us in the middle of our mess. And that God, you want to use us not as perfect people, not as people who've got it all together, but as people just to say, come and see, come and see what Jesus has done in my life. Come and see what Jesus has done with my brokenness, with my mess, come and see. So God, I wanna thank you for those of you who, those, uh, who have accepted you as their personal savior for the first time today. God, I wanna thank you for those who have said, I've got someone I need to say, come and see too. Give us the courage to do what we know we need to do. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.